Welcome to Mahogany Moms Podcast. My name is Dr. Rochelle Whitaker, but you can call me Dr. Shell. I'm here to provide support and education on all things motherhood. Join me every other Wednesday for encouragement, inspiration, and information as we delve into health, mental and physical, education, money, and everything else that comes with this motherhood journey. Hey, moms. I'm excited to bring you this episode of the podcast. I'm interviewing a speech-language pathologist. So if you remember two weeks ago on the last podcast episode, there was an interview I did with an audiologist. And so the reasons why I wanted to bring both of these interviews to you about these particular subjects is because I think, well, one is if you think that your child has some type of disability or something is not quite right, the process usually starts with hearing and speech. And so usually those are your go-to. They want to make sure, you know, your child has a hearing test. And then the next person that they talk to you about is speech. And so a lot of times parents are kind of confused about what a speech therapist does or maybe how that person can help their child or what the services look like. And so I wanted to have an interview with a speech language pathologist to kind of tell you the process, how long speech may could last and how that looks. Also, I don't think that I've shared this before, but I am an educational psychologist. I know people are like, what is that? And so what I do is I evaluate children that are suspected of or who have a disability. And usually part of those assessments contain both hearing, a hearing assessment and a speech assessment. And so I, I wanted to give moms who may find themselves in the process of having their child evaluated more information about what speech language pathologists do and what that looks like. So here's the episode. Hey, 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 it is Dr. Rochelle Whitaker, educational psychologist, mental health therapist, and parenting coach. And so we are here to do another episode of the Mahogany Moms podcast. And so today we have Ms. Charlitha Isaac. She is a speech language pathologist and a mom. And so let's welcome Ms. Isaac to the show. Hello, Ms. Isaac. How's everything going? It's good. How are you? I'm doing great. So thanks so much for having me. Sure. Thank you for being here. So tell us about who you are and what you do. Okay, yes. So first and foremost, I am a mom and of a vibrant 10 year old and I'm also a wife and I'm a speech language pathologist and I provide direct therapy to kids and adults in the Pearland area primarily and I'm the owner of Car Speech Therapy Services located here in Pearland, Texas. Awesome. So a lot of times parents are interested or want to know more about how to choose the right speech therapist for their child. And so what would you say, what should parents be looking for in choosing a speech therapist? How do they go about it? Yes. So my advice to parents who are looking for a speech therapist is to one, make that initial contact and make sure that it's a good fit. And in doing that, you want to try to find a therapist who is really concerned with parent involvement because parental involvement is so crucial to make sure that those activities that the therapist is doing within that therapy sessions are also implemented in the home setting. So parental involvement, if you run into a therapist who's not reaching out, trying to make sure that the parent is a part of the process, should definitely be not the best therapist, I would say. Okay, awesome. So if I'm a mom and I say, okay, I've decided to use Ms. Isaac as my speech therapist. What happens once I make 
that first initial call. Okay, so after you make an initial call to our practice, we like to, well, first do a phone consultation with the parents to find out what the primary concern is, and then we'll schedule a screening to do an in-person consultation or a virtual consultation, depending on the needs of the child. So, and that'll help us to determine one, if an evaluation is needed, or if we need to put some interventions in place in the home setting prior to the evaluation process. And it also help us to determine which areas we need to evaluate. Okay, so how long does the consultation last? So a consultation and the screening process is not a full evaluation. So basically we look at the different areas. Um, we look at articulation. We just do like a snapshot to see if there are any significant concerns in that area. And that encompasses speech production as well. We look at the voice of the child to make sure that there's not any concerns in terms of loudness, pitch, or quality of the voice. We also look at speech fluency to make sure that there are not any stuttering concerns. And then we also look at language. And that encompasses a lot of things such as um, receptive, expressive language. But we use an age-appropriate screening tool to determine what a three-year-old should be doing at three compared to other three-year-olds to help determine if they're off developmentally where we need to look at a full evaluation. So how early is too early to start having concerns about your child's speech? Is there such thing as too early? I don't think there's a such thing as too early. Definitely, if there are concerns early on, you know, even before the child reaches two, the parents want to make sure that they're doing things in the home to encourage that language development. So typically when parents visit the doctor, they'll give them a checklist of things their child should or should not be doing. Sometimes that's the first indicator that there is a concern. But anytime a parent has a gut reaction that they're concerned with their child's language development um, or speech, they should reach out to a professional and let's say if nothing else, do a consultation or an in-person or virtual screening to see if there are significant concerns that they need to be worried about in terms of the child's development. And do most speech therapists or all speech therapists offer consultations? Sometimes therapists would like to just go ahead and evaluate the child, but for me, the screening does give me a window into what I need to actually evaluate, so I take that approach, but where other therapists may not, so it just kind of depends on the company and the therapist, but like I said, I think it saves the parents time because typically from an, a screening especially if I have a child who comes in and there are suspected articulation concerns. For instance, if the child comes in and they're four and the parent is thinking like, oh, they have articulation concerns, but they're just not saying the R sound. Well, child isn't going to qualify whenever I evaluate him or her. So I could go ahead and provide the parent with some strategies and some activities to do at home to see if we can, you know, remediate that sound outside of speech therapy because they're not going to qualify and I don't want to waste the parents' time and money doing a full evaluation when I'm pretty certain they're not going to qualify based on just having that one soundness and error. And because it's developmentally appropriate in terms of it's a later developing sound. Okay. So is there a difference between the services that I would get from you privately than those I would get from the school speech therapist? 
I think, you know, we have parents who are a service in the school setting and also in a private setting. And I think that's still a great model in depending on what the child is being seen for, because in a private setting, you won't have the luxury of the child working in a group versus in a school setting. Group participation is usually how they're serviced in the school setting. So depending on the child is a great model to be serviced in both of them, you know, both settings. Okay, so that means that the objectives are the same? So yes, if the child is working on, if they have language-based goals, so typically the tests that we conduct and the test is conducted outside or in, in the school setting, the test tools are very similar. So the goals may look a lot alike. It's just that the approach might be different in terms of how the therapy is implemented. So, you know, if a child is having difficulty with the R sound, with me, they're going to have difficulty with the R sound in the school setting. So that would be something that we both would target. But I think, you know, without having the child being pulled out of class too much, you know, more therapy is not necessarily a bad thing. Okay. Now, could my child qualify for speech therapy in the school, but not qualify privately? Or could they qualify privately and not qualify in the schools? Yes, usually sometimes a child may not qualify in the school setting, but they'll qualify in the private setting. Um, fortunately, we do a lot of testing in schools and also private-based therapy. So I am pretty keen about what the school district would look for in terms of the criteria and percentile scores. So I usually discuss that with the parent to let them know like, hey, if you do present this evaluation to the school district, they're going to likely accept the scores and that'll kind of speed up the process with having the child placed into setting where they can receive special education services on the speech impairment eligibility. So typically, if that information is gained through doing similar tests, it just makes it easier. And I can give them a heads up about whether they would qualify in both settings or not. Okay, so, so you mentioned taking my child to the doctor and having to fill out some kind of rating scale do I have to go through my doctor to to call a speech therapist and start working with them or can I just start working with them without the doctor yeah so typically well depending on the insurance plan but a doctor referral to do a consultation or screening is not needed so the doctor will come into place if, depending on the insurance plan, if you have to have authorization for those visits. But in terms of selecting the speech therapist, a parent can do that on their own and then speak to their doctor about getting a referral if one is needed. After that, some doctors may have, you know, preferred speech therapy providers, but that's something that the parent can speak to the doctor about. But as far as a parent taking the initiative and locating a therapist who they think is a good, who they think is a good fit for their child, that's something they could go ahead and do, especially if they already have concerns that something is not right in terms of their speech and language development. And typically the therapist will present the evaluation to the doctor to get approval and to so they can share their results and let the doctor know exactly what they would like to work on. Okay, so I could go 
and find a speech therapist and have the speech therapist evaluate my child. And then the speech therapist could then give that information to my doctor. And that's how I would go about having the insurance cover it or would it need to be in reverse? Well, it just depends on your insurance plan. So if the insurance plan wants the evaluation to be cleared by the doctor ahead of time, then that would be something that you would definitely speak to the doctor. But as far as locating the therapist, that's something the parent could do and then speak to the doctor like, hey, I would like to have my child evaluated. You know, can we discuss um, you giving me a referral for this evaluation? Um, But like I say, some insurance plans, you do not have to have that prior authorization for the evaluation. You can just set the appointment up with the therapist and have your child evaluated, and then they would communicate those results to the doctor to discuss and share the plan of care. So it just kind of depends on the actual insurance plan. And so what if I didn't want to use my insurance at all, and I just wanted to pay out of pocket, or what if I don't have insurance? Can you give me like a range of costs in terms of what speech therapist, speech therapy charges like on an ongoing basis, like if my child has to come once a week or twice a week? Yeah, so just as an average, and you know, I can't speak for a lot of providers in the area, but you would definitely probably be paying at least $70, $75 minimum a visit. So multiply that times two if your child is being seen twice a week. And so sometimes that parental involvement will help dictate how many times the child is being seen, uh, meaning that if you're doing a lot of things at home, and carrying through with the activities and the practice activities at home, sometimes once a week is sufficient. Um, If the child is presenting with severe deficits, you definitely wanna go ahead and hit it hard and try to remediate those skills early on versus opting to do one day. So it just kind of depends on the severity, but you know, of course the costs do add up. So that's why I say that parental involvement is key in terms of hopefully shortening the amount of the length of time that the child is in therapy. Okay. So that's, you segue right into a good question. So let's just say I have, I'm bringing my child to you for speech therapy and I'm bringing them twice a week. So does that mean you're only going to have to work with them for a couple of weeks and then the speech problem will be fixed or is it an ongoing thing? How long do I have to bring my child to speech therapy? Okay, so definitely a parent should expect to be sitting in front of me longer than two weeks. I don't think I've ever corrected any errors that were significant enough to warrant therapy that quickly. Um, But some disorders take longer than others. Um, Language disorders may take a longer time span simply because language is constantly evolving in terms of what's expected from the child versus articulation, if the child is coming in and they're having difficulty with specific sounds, once they acquire those sounds, then the therapy plan can be, and goals will be met versus language, you know, you know, once they learn um, like pronouns such as he, she, they, we move on to possessive, like his, her. So it's, it's a building process, but once the child does grasp the concept of acquiring those skills and using them in their everyday 
routine and also in the educational setting, then they've demonstrated that they've made gains and they've demonstrated that they can continue to build upon that, then therapy goals and determinations can be met from that. Okay, so what would I need to do if I was a parent and I needed some strategies or some tips in working with my child? Is there something in, in helping with their language? Is there something that I could do as a parent to help them with language? Okay, so development, language development. Yeah, so the beautiful thing about language development is we can do a lot of activities in our everyday routine. It's really important, especially with vocabulary development. If we're talking about things around us, we're talking about what those things are used for. If we're talking about different groups, category groups, we're already taking a big step in helping the child acquire language. And it's even better when it's presented that way because those are real life scenarios and real life occurrences. And it's going to be more meaningful for the child versus looking at flashcards and so forth. So we can show kids things in real time and talk about them in real time. Then that language development will definitely show some improvement versus just sitting down, you know, looking at flashcards and pictures. So I, I try to tell parents to basically think about it as if you're narrating your day. You're going to talk about things as you're doing them. And in talking about those things, the child is seeing and having that visual tied to the words that are being said. So that's really important. And that's like my main goal that I want parents to understand and internalize. So that way they're not having to sit down and do special activities with their child outside of what they're doing on a routine basis. If they can do a lot of that discussion and narration throughout the day, that's they've already made a big step in working with their child at home. So what it sounds like you're saying is if I'm a parent, then I can't just leave it up to the speech therapist to do all the work. I need to be doing things daily, consistently in our normal everyday routines for my child to, to either get better or just help in their language development. Absolutely. And I promise if those things are done at home, and like I said, you can, parents can opt to take the route of solely letting the speech therapist handle the remediation of the skills that they're lacking, but they're going to be seeing that therapist a whole lot longer than they would like versus if they're implementing things at home as well. Okay. So is there anything that I haven't asked you that you'd like to share? So, you know, just in terms of the different areas that we test, um, you want, I just want to make sure parents understand that there are, you know, different areas. So when I say uh, articulation, we also have speech intelligibility issues that are caused by apraxia and also phonological processing disorders. So in doing that, you just want parents want to make sure that the therapist is evaluating the child and looking at those areas because the treatment plan does differ. And versus language development, you may have a difficult time with receptive language, but not necessarily expressive language or vice versa. So you just want to make sure that as a parent that they have the understanding of where, what that deficit area is. So if they're having difficulties with receptive language, they're going to have difficulties understanding even directions that are presented to them. So parents checking for understanding when they're at home is crucial. 
Um, and that we care about that because when a child is sitting in a classroom setting and the teacher is giving instruction and their receptive language is impaired, um, they need additional accommodations probably in place to check for that understanding to make sure that they are understanding the content. And in terms of expressive language, they may have a harder time formulating their thoughts and ideas. And that doesn't mean they don't have a lot to say, but if they do have difficulty with expressive language, we wanna make sure tools are in place that can assist them with formulating those thoughts and ideas. So, you know, that's just crucial. I don't want parents to think that speech therapy is just arctic or language, but it, you know, it encompasses a lot of things and those things matter when a child enters the school setting in terms of them being successful. You also mentioned apraxia. Can you tell us a little bit more about what that is? Yeah, so apraxia is a motor programming speech disorder. So versus articulation where the errors are consistent. So they're having difficulty saying the cuss sound. They just can't say the cuss sound. So versus apraxia, they may attempt to say it multiple times and it comes out different on those occurrences. So that's why I say the treatment plan does differ versus phonological aware, I mean, um, phonological disorders, they may have difficulty with the cuss sound only at the end, but it's not because they can't produce the cuss sound, it's that they may be deleting the ending sound of words. So you just wanna make sure what the problem is and the root cause of the problem or the therapy plan that's being presented won't be beneficial to the child. So as a parent, would I know that my child has apraxia? Would I know that? Would I know that term? It's not as common, um, but it's more, it's, it's a little bit more difficult to treat. Um, so you, a parent may see the therapist for longer versus an articulation disorder. So a child who has significant speech intelligibility issues, you definitely want to make sure that the therapist is looking at possible apraxia and possible phonological processing issues. So versus articulation, they may have certain sounds that are in error. But if mom or dad, if they're having a lot of difficulty understanding their own child, because by four, speech intelligibility should be on point, meaning that you can make out what they're saying, even though each sound isn't intact. But if a parent is having a lot of difficulty understanding their own child, then definitely you wanna make sure all of those errors are addressed or looked at to see what the root cause of the problem is. And so if I have a speech therapist and they've been working with my child for a couple of months and I don't notice progress, does that mean that the speech therapist that I've chosen is not a good fit? No, it doesn't mean it's not. Sometimes progress takes a little longer um, depending on the, the target. Um, for instance, um, usually if I have a child who comes in and they have a, a significant articulation disorder, but they have the errors of K and G in error also. I'll work on those initially because that sound is very common in the English language versus if they have difficulty with the Z sound, it's not as common. So if the parent is, oh, once those two sounds have been acquired, even though they're just two sounds, the child's gonna sound a whole lot better. Um, so it's just kind of depending on what the, the error that the child is having, if it's language 
or like the R sound usually takes a little bit longer to remediate than other articulation sounds because you have so many different variations. So it just depends on what the target is. And that would be something that the parent would discuss with the therapist prior to starting therapy in terms of like, okay, what are we looking at? And like I say, with language, it's just so many different building blocks. And you don't want to miss any of those building blocks because I promise you later on in the educational setting, those building blocks will matter. Okay, so if I'm a parent and I'm noticing there's some issues with my child's um, speech and language development, the first thing that I want to do is find a speech therapist that will offer me a consultation. And so that way we can determine if we're a good fit. If my child and I are a good fit for this speech therapist, and if the speech therapist is a good fit for myself and my child, is that the first step? That's what I would do. Yes. Okay. That's what I would recommend. In terms of determining if speech is, is working, if the speech therapy is working for my child, one of the ways that I can make that determination is if I'm practicing the strategies that the speech therapist is telling me, but the speech therapist has to be including me in on what she's doing and giving me suggestions or recommendations for things that I can be doing at home, right? Correct. And sometimes I'll bring the parent, you know, for younger kids, the parent may be in the room the whole time, but for older kids, and depending on where we are in therapy, I'll bring the parent in the last five minutes and I'll demonstrate what activities we did and I'll demonstrate what activities I need them to do at home. So they have that, like visuals matter. Like we all need visuals. <laughs> so if I just give the activities to the parents, they're not gonna comprehend them very much. So I like to demonstrate what they're expected to do. Cause like I say, visuals matter. And that's what goes back to language development. If you pair those visuals with, what is expected from a language standpoint, they're going to get it a whole lot quicker. So my last question, is there a, like a time limit for kids to acquire speech and language development? So if I have a 12 year old and they, they're still having some issues with speech and language, is that too late to get them therapy? Have they already kind of passed that marker of change that their change can, that their language can be changed or different? I definitely do not think it's too late. Um, some things don't appear to later. So when we're looking at, especially from a social standpoint, because speech therapists, we do look at pragmatics and social communication. So those type issues may not show up until the child is in, you know, later on, they're in middle school. So that they're having difficulties, you know, making inferences, understanding, those nonverbal cues of others, interacting with peers, starting a conversation, like those things may not show up till later. Fortunately, you know, those things can be addressed, but I definitely don't think just because a child is, you know, 12, 13, that we should dismiss them and thinking it's too late because those skills are very crucial for, you know, later in life. Because if you have a 12-year-old who can't start a conversation, you're going to have an 18-year-old. Then you're going to have a 25-year-old. And they're going to have difficulties in the work setting. So it's definitely something that we should address regardless of the age. Because like I say, language is a building block thing. And if we, you know, stop at the point of inferences, because we wouldn't expect a five-year-old to complete a lot of inferential tasks, but we would expect that of a nine-year-old. So keeping that in mind, like some things might not show up 
as a significant concern until later on. And we definitely need to not dismiss those and address them to help the child meet their needs academically and socially. This has been great. So you've offered a lot of information um, to parents who are questioning what to do or how to do it or if they even need to. So how do parents, how do moms find you? Where can they find you? Yes, yeah, so like I said, we're primarily based in Pearland. Our office is located in Pearland. So parents can visit our website, www.cardspeechtherapy.com to find our information and just give us a call. Um, May is Better Speech and Hearing Month. So during the month of May, we will be offering free screenings during that time on the weekends to help you know meet the needs of parents and their scheduling. So that would be a great time to reach out to us as well to get that started in case they need to jump on some things for the summer months and um, or just feel free to reach out to us anytime. But we're here, we're here to help develop language and also articulation, voice and fluency to help the child be successful in communicating regardless of which setting they're in. Well, Ms. Isaac, this has been great. It's been very informative. Thank you so much for joining us on the podcast. All right. Thank you so much for having me. Hey, moms, I want to talk to you about something new that I'm bringing to you guys. I know that sometimes you just need a little encouragement or a little motivation. And so I have gotten weekly encouragement from different people. And so I thought I would bring that same thing to you, some weekly encouragement via text, right at your fingertips to speak to maybe wherever you are, or just to encourage you along this journey of motherhood. And so if you are interested and you'd like to get these weekly texts, text motivate to one 638 5442. Again, that's text motivate to 1833-638-5442 for a little weekly encouragement. That's it for today's episode. Thank you so much for listening to the Mahogany Moms podcast with me. If you like the podcast, please show your support by sharing it and leaving a review. If you'd like to learn more about us, go to mahoganymomspodcast.com. Until next time.